sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. Cubs fans, and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, we're diving right into some deadline talk with Tom Loxus of Beers and Beat Guys podcast, new podcast he started. His new guest uh, for the show that is coming out, we recorded this Monday, so coming out for Tuesday, is Evan Altman of Cubs Insider, so check that out. But on today's episode, we'll first recap the weekend series with the Brewers, preview Tuesday's matchup with the Cardinals in the first segment, and then we'll talk with Tom about the Cubs and what their plan is for the deadline just a couple days away. Support of Lockdown Cubs comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with promo code LOCKEDON. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bomba purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at bombas.com slash lockdown today and get 20% off on your Bombas at bombas.com slash lockdown. If you haven't tried Bombas, seriously, one of the most comfortable socks ever. Uh, they actually are sending me some um, to my house because of the promo we're doing for them. I'm very excited to try this out, but I've had and used Bomba socks before. Super comfortable, help a lot with my workouts and chafing, things like that. I get pretty bad blisters on my feet when I play basketball or whatnot. Bombas are one of the few socks that really helps with that, so check those out. You can get Lockdown Cubs in the Himalaya app as well as Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn app, Radio, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find Lockdown Cubs. If you can't, when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Cubs. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So before we get into this interview with Tom Loxes here, quickly we'll preview this past weekend's games here. On Friday, the Cubs drop a 3-2 game against the Brewers where the Cubs actually had an early 2-0 lead. I guess not early, but in the sixth inning, David Buddy hit a two-run shot after they were getting no hit by Gio Gonzalez. So they break up the no-hitter and then quickly score a run after Bodie hits the home run. But that's the only offense the Cubs will get is both teams are held the two, four hits on the day. Uh, the Brewers score three runs in the seventh or excuse me, one run in the seventh, two runs in the eighth. Cubs at the top of the ninth can't do anything against Josh Hader. It's over, unfortunately. Kyle Hendricks on the night, five innings, two hits, two walks, five strikeouts. He lowered his ear rate to 3.26 on the year. Uh, it's Steve Ciszek and Brandon Kinsler that kind of fall apart here, but ultimately it was Pedro Strope 
that really kind of cost the Cubs here in the eighth inning. It starts with Brandon Kinsler walking and then hitting a batter to put runners on. Pedro Strub comes up to face Brandon or Brian Braun, who then hits Braun, loading the bases up. Jesus Aguilar pops up to second base with one with the giving the Cubs an out, but then Ben Gamble hits a right field rocket into the gap. Both Hiura and Thames score. Braun moves to third. Cubs down now 3-2. Ronwick comes in after Strub struggles, gets uh, Lorenzo Cain to ground out, and that's that. The Cubs somewhat threatened, kind of, sort of, in the bottom of the ninth. Chris Bryan hits a single off uh, Josh Hader. Anthony Rizzo absolutely scorched a ball. That ends up just being in Orlando Orsia's mitt, and then Javier Baez strikes out to end that game. So the Cubs drop the first one. Saturday wasn't much of a different story. It was John Lester versus Chase Anderson. Lester won seven innings, gave up four hits, no earned runs, had three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, The Cubs just unfortunately, once again, bullpen fell apart. Um, Scoring started, though, with Anthony Rizzo hitting a two-run shot off of Chase Anderson. Contreras scores. Cubs take a 2 to nothing lead, and that's the score for quite a bit of time here. Um, up until I believe the bottom of the eighth is when the Brewers score back. So Steve Ciszek comes in this game, replacing John Lester and instantly gives up a home run to, to Ben Gamble on an all one fastball. Boom, gone center field Cubs only down a run. Lorenzo Kane doubles off center field. And it looks like it could have cleared the wall too. Uh, C- Steve Ciszek pulled instantly. Derek Holland coming in to face Christian Yelcher's first to bat as a Cub. Uh, he does get Yelich to fly out to center field. Kane does move up to third, so Chatwood comes in to replace Holland. Tyler Chatwood gets Ryan Braun to pop out, but then gives up a double to Keston Hewer, uh, which scores Kane. Cubs and Cubs and Brewers now tied, bottom of the eighth. Cubs going into the top of the ninth. They do get Rizzo to walk, and then a pop out from Baez, a pop out from Hayward, and then Ian Happ strikes out looking to end the top of the ninth. Cubs threaten a little bit. In the top of the 10th, Albert Almora hits a home run into center field on a 2-0 fastball. Absolutely tees off on the ball. Cubs take a 3-2 lead. And it looks like that could be it. Uh, unfortunately, though, Christian Yelich comes in on an 0-1 pitch off of Craig Kimbrell, tees it off, ties it up at 3 apiece. And then, uh, I believe, Tyler Saladino walks, and Keston Hira on a 1-2 fastball crushes the ball to right field. Brewers take a 5 three lead walk it off against the cubs they lose again but then sunday's game is a lot more exciting the cubs win 11 to 4 kyle schwarber hits two home runs including a grand slam jose quintana on the day not so great only five and two thirds four hits three runs two walks three strikeouts his era bumped up to 447 brad brock's the one that actually ends up getting the win even though he only pitched a third of an inning fifth Kyle Ryan goes two and a third. He lowers his ERA to 3.2. He only allows one run. One of them not earned, but one run allowed. Brandon Kinsler in two-thirds inning of work finishes that out. And then Derek Holland takes the last inning, um, allowing just no runs, no walks, one strikeout. Uh, Zach Davies, on the other hand, he goes five innings, four hits, seven earned runs, three walks, two two home runs against the Cubs. Uh, not great. Obviously, the Cubs were able to tag up uh, Davies throughout this game. Schwarber with the Greg. Big grand slam, and then he hits a three-run shot. Two completely different home runs, though. The grand slam, I think, went 473 feet. It was the, I think, furthest home run and hardest hit home run or grand slam on the season in Cubs history. I think also since StatCast history, that is, at least. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, then he had a three-run shot that he hit opposite field, just kind of drove, and it looked like it was going to maybe go into the gap and be a nice little double, but it just kept going and going and cleared the fence. The Cubs take a 7-0 lead, all thanks to Kyle Schwarber. Uh, 
Victor Carantini, like I said, hit a three-run shot. Uh, Cubs take a 10-3 lead. They'll tack on one more run from Wilson Contreras' ground out. That scored Schwarber. Cubs win 11-4. Salvage one game in this series. So, overall, wasn't great. The good news is for this is the Cubs are still tied with St. Louis. They're in first place somehow after all this. 56-49, tied with St. Louis at the same record. Milwaukee 56-51, a game back. Cincinnati 48-55, seven games back in Pittsburgh, 46-59. Absolutely tail spinning right now, 10 games back. So Cubs now in a dead tie with St. Louis and be facing them this week. So uh, previewing tomorrow's matchup, I guess tonight or today, however you want to look at this, it's you Darvish versus Adam Wainwright. Darvish with a 4.54 ERA compared to Wainwright's 4.63 ERA. Um, Wainwright's been okay. Uh, in his last five starts, he's got an ERA of 5.15. Um, 39 strikeouts compared to just 11 walks. He's given up. 21 runs and four home runs in these five starts. So not great. Darvish, on the other hand, been pretty good. Uh, 3.80 ERA in his last seven starts. He's got 51 strikeouts compared to just seven walks. That's the difference there. Uh, Eight home runs over that span, not great. He's got 21 on the season so far, so obviously Darvish can be a little susceptible to the home run ball. But if he's not walking guys, which he hasn't been doing, um, that's kind of the difference there. I mean, he can give up a solo shot all he want, but he looked filthy. Uh, And his last start against San Francisco was good, not great. Um, kind of a messy game, but he went six innings, four or excuse me, four earned runs, six hits, one walk, six strikeouts. Did give up a solo shot on 77 pitches. Probably could have gone a little bit longer, but it kind of felt like the right time for Joe to pull him. And his uh, three starts prior to that had looked really good. Um, he had a somewhat rough outing against uh, Pittsburgh, but still went six and two thirds. But he had a no decision prior to that in a win against Cincinnati where he went six innings and just looked incredible. So uh, Darvish is looking like he's turned a corner. Obviously, 3.8 ERA over his last seven games is encouraging. In terms of who sees Wainwright well for the Cubs, uh, Chris Bryant in 29 games, he's OPSing 879, excuse me, 29 games, or 29 plate appearances, excuse me. In 35 plate appearances, Hayward is OPSing 888 against Wainwright. Um, and then we've got a bunch of guys batting like six or OPSing like 600 or higher or a little bit higher than 600. So not great. Rizzo, Schwarber, both at 661 and 64 uh, plate appearances for Rizzo. 19 plate appearances for Schwarber, 652. Um, Contreras in 22 games, is OPSing 893. So there's some positive signs here in terms of who sees Darvish. Well, there isn't too many guys here in this lineup. Colton Wong in four bats is OPSing 833. The next highest would be a tie between Harrison Bader and Paul DeYoung. Uh, or no, actually, excuse me, uh, Jose Martinez in two games is OPSing 4,000. So obviously hitting him well. But the Cubs, or Cardinals haven't seen Darvish too much. So hopefully this is a good chance for the Darvish to kind of carve some dudes up. His curveball has looked really good. The slider-cutter combination has been solid. But his locating of his fastball has been the difference. So, But that will do it here for our first segment here. So we'll pause for a moment for a word from our sponsors. But in the second half of Locked on Cubs, we'll be talking with Tom Loxus as we get his insider take on what's going on with the Cubs and what their plans are as they come closer and closer to this July 31st deadline. So stick around for more Locked on Cubs. What's going on, Cubs fans? Joining me on the line is Tom Loxus. He is, uh, I guess, kind of an industry source, but a guy that uh, uh, should be familiar with a lot of Cubs fans, a lot of people in general. I've seen him write for Cubs Insider. He's got a podcast, a new podcast you just started called Beers and Beat Guys Podcast. Tom, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks, Sean. My pleasure. Yeah, always happy to get you on here. Um, obviously, we're getting close to the 
July 31st trade deadline is getting closer and things are kind of moving here a little bit now. Of course, we're going to probably see a lot more activity in the next couple of days just because there is no more of that waiver trade deadline. But the Cubs are kind of sitting in an awkward spot where they, they could probably use a couple more pieces, but it doesn't sound like they necessarily can pursue some of those things. What are your What's your kind of take on these last couple of days before 30, the 31st here? Yeah, I am unfortunately hearing similar things. I wish I could give you guys something juicier, but um, the name, I mean, the, the, what I heard today was small, small names, you know, small mm-hmm. names, but it won't, it won't be for lack of trying is what I was told. It's just that they do have some budgetary constraints still. And, um, and at the same time, you know, there's, there's not a lot in the system that they want to give up. You know, I don't think that they're going to, give up the top end of the system. And truthfully, that would bother me because right now, I'm just being honest with you, Sean, I don't, I think like right now they'd be putting some band-aids on this team. They've got so mm-hmm. many other internal questions that are leaking right now. Like for instance, Pedro Strope, if Strope isn't right, you can't afford to replace them. They needed Strope to be right for them to therefore go get a lefty, you know, impact bullpen arm to add to his, his and, and Kimbrell's presence but right now, if Strope isn't performing well, it just, it just feels like, you know, it just feels kind of uh, like they're grasping at straws. I, I would agree with you. This is a team where you kind of look at and you, you see the talent level coming into the season and think like, this is probably, you know, a 90 plus win team at some point. And they still could be that at this point, but they, it's tough to invest in a team that constantly seems to have shortcomings. And when you're looking at the depth of this team, like, you could legitimately make a case. You probably need to add three more bench bats, maybe a legitimate bat this lineup. Like you just can't do those things. And if we're talking about a team that was, you know, struggling to afford even just adding guys this off season, let alone now it's, it's going to be tough to make something work. I know there was also rumor going around. I think they came out from Robert Murray yesterday talking about the Cubs potentially shopping Martin Maldonado. Um, I thought that was kind of a little strange, but I guess he's probably got some type of value, maybe more value than the Cubs have for him at the moment. But, you would think training Mike Montgomery just a couple of weeks ago for a guy like him would be kind of strange and just all of a sudden let him go, right? It was very strange. In fact, you know, most people figured if they were, you know, to pick him up, that maybe that meant they would make Caratini expendable. And that, right. you know, would make a little bit more sense, especially that Maldonado is their best framer. And everyone was just raving the other day about what a great framer he was. And it would just be odd. And it also kind of spooks me a little bit if it's true because then it just means that the Cubs need to move his salary to even pick up another minor one. And right. Yeah. I just, ne- I just never thought that in the winning window, they'd be in this position. You know, I thought that Theo would be able to shake a little bit more money loose from ownership when they're in this window, you know, and, and right now let's be fair. They did get some of that when it came for the name to get Craig Kimbrell, but some mm-hmm. of that also came from Zobris being gone. So I don't give, you know, the Ricketts that much credit for, for bending on that because they kind of robbed from another area. So, and they took the, and with, with his addition, they definitely took some of that money that they had earmarked for the deadline. So let's be fair. They did make a nice, you know, big main pickup, a big bullpen pickup, but right now it just feels like there's still, like you say, a couple moves away from even being whole, you know, I feel like they still need another bat and at least one more bullpen arm to make me feel at least good about winning the division. 
Right. And I mean, it's crazy. Of course, we're sitting here now and the Cubs are in first place, but not by their own accord. <laughs> it just constant the NL Central just seems to have teams that want to take a hold of it for maybe a game or two, but then lose it back in a couple games. So the Cubs are in a good spot in that regard. But yeah, the, the, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed on this team. And I, I know, I mean, Ben Zobers announcing that he's coming back. Obviously, he's going to be about a month away. That's good news for the Cubs. But I, I still felt like even with Zobers coming back, they probably needed to add something. Um, I know Eric Silgart was a target the Cubs were interested in. And he just got traded, I believe, to the Rays yesterday. But uh, Jonathan VR is a guy now that's had some experience. I know in the NL Central playing for the, uh, the Brewers and the Cubs should be familiar with him. Is he a guy that could make sense with the Cubs have to give up much to trade for someone like him? And is it really going to be that tough for them to afford him? No, I think that he probably would fit in. Um, I did hear the Cubs have like somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple million that they have to play with for sure. And if they were able to get creative and move somebody else, that might free up even a little bit more. But I still find it, you know, I'll still be surprised if they're able to add a bullpen arm and a bat, unless it's someone that's really a low cost um, you know, guy that can maybe fill out a spot at the bottom of the roster and help him with some depth. Yeah, Valar makes sense. I honestly did not hear his name um, from the, the people that mm. I check in with. I, I don't dig like I used to when I was blogging consistently. Sure. But I still just just even just even for my own, you know, thirst for knowledge and and uh, being a Cubs fan. Period. I still check in and say, hey, what are they doing? What are they doing? Just because I'm interested. But it's it's very quiet only because. The names are are small, and the um, and they're still trying to figure it out. And it sounds crazy because it's only a couple of days away. But I guess a lot of these moves usually don't materialize until like a day or two before the deadline, unless it's unless it's a bigger deal that they've been mapping out. Right, and, I, and that makes sense too. And especially with a lot of teams, like I mean, the Giants are still kind of in limbo of whether or not they're going to sell. They they probably will, but um, you know, you've got a lot of teams that kind of felt like they might have had a chance to do something or even like like the Reds said they were buyers, even though they're, you know, 10 games below 500, what have you. Um, so I'm sure that plays into it as well. But obviously, <laughs> teams would like to get their things taken care of early on. Um, looking at this roster now, obviously, they, they came off, of, the Cubs just came off a tough series against the Brewers. Um, they're going to play St. Louis now. Um, what's your kind of overall feel for this team? I know, obviously, like the series with San Francisco and the series with the the Brewers, kind of similar in the sense where they kind of had a chance to win those two games and lost, um, cleaned up on that final series or final game of the series now. But coming into St. Louis, it, you know, the Cubs just seemed like they can't play well on the road, and I, I, you know, it's tough to pinpoint what exactly seems to be the issue. But we can obviously we see the Cubs do fantastic things like they did last Sunday or yesterday. You know, absolutely smash the baseball, but doesn't seem like those games are kind of few and far between at the moment. Yeah. And it's, it's really those two areas that have seemed to plague the Cubs for a couple of years now, which is a guy at the top of the lineup that can set this table, or at least even some more contact in the lineup that can balance out some of the strikeouts. And let's face it, this team can get shut. You know, this team offensively can get shut down at times like Gio Gonzalez did the other day. It's just a reminder that it's inconsistent. And Madden came out today and said, that is going to be the separator in his mind. He said, if this offense can can put some runs on the board and take some of the pressure off the bullpen, then maybe they can get some separation in this division. But right now, I don't feel that much confidence that that offense is going to be anything than what they have been the last two and a half years, which is, you know, it's a good offense overall with their fifth in the, in the National League. But they still have periods where they go through struggles, and especially on the road. 
And with that bullpen being leaky, playing tight games is, is scary. And I just feel like unless they get that bullpen to, to be a, a real force, then they need to solidify the offense. It's got to be one or the other, you know, if not a little bit of both. And I right. feel like right now, I, I hate to sound frustrated because it's still a first-place team, but, you know, overall, big picture, I still feel like right now we're just trying to win a division rather than do I feel like this is a, a World Series contender. And that's, that may be just my own, like, harsh critique, but I do feel like that's where they're at right now. I mean, I, I feel similar way too. It's tough to look at this team and, and think they'd be able to beat a team like the Dodgers in a, in a five or seven game series, um, especially with this bullpen being as shaky as they are. It's it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I guess with this team now, I mean, they, they've done, they did make some moves. They did make some, they kind of changed it up, obviously. Uh, Ian Happ up on this roster now. He was having a really good month in Iowa. He hasn't gotten a hit yet, but he's getting on base because he's walking well and, and seeing some pitches. Obviously, we saw him making that great play in left field. Um, this weekend, you know, what what do you think Ian Happ's role on this team is now? Are they just going to try and hope for, you know, normal Ian Happ, or is he just going to kind of be a depth player? Is he going to start more? Like, do you know, do you have the Cubs really mentioned an idea of what the role is for Ian Happ at this moment? No, I'm sure they would love for him to force their hand and, and have him play, you know, sure. almost every day. And I, I feel like he and Al Mora could be actually a pretty solid, you know, combination if you can maybe get two thirds of the at-bats to, to happen and mix out more in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, until we give Happ at least another week or two to see if he's improved on anything, then it, it's hard for me to make a full judgment. But at the same time, yeah, it was really nice yesterday to see some of the at-bats that he had. And that's right. the kind of pressure the Cubs need to, you know, to put on the pitching of the other team. But I still don't, you know, I my biggest issue with Happ is that he's just another one of those bats like we have already right. that, you know what I mean? It's he, he. Let's just say if Ian Happ were a guy that could provide some contact and he could be a legitimate like table setter, then we have a you know half our issues solved right now. But right, he is he is he, he is already part of the redundancy. And but at the same time, you know, for for what Elmore was giving us and missing Zobrist to have another left-handed bat that can give you professional at bats is, is still nice to have. Right, yeah, it's not Daniel Descalso coming in to pinch it for Almora, <laughs> who's batting fifth for some reason. Um, but uh, I, I know there's this guys I know. Nico Horner is a guy that I think a lot of people are interested in. It seems like he's probably the guy that that could have a chance to really break camp next year with the Cubs at second base. Um, what do you What are your thoughts on Nico Horner? I mean, obviously the, this guy seems to be the limit for a guy that has plenty of talent in terms of athleticism, can play kind of all over the field. Probably slides in at second base, but his bat just seems to be able to hit everywhere. I mean, he hit instantly the first moment he got put into the Cubs, you know, system. Is is this a guy that could truly be a starter next year? Well, you sure hope so. I've, um, I have a friend that's a scout and uh, has seen a little bit of him. And I asked him, I said, you know, is this, is this our hope for leadoff right. or at least somebody that can hit at the top of the lineup and, you know, lengthen a lineup a little bit. And he said, yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. The kid can hit, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't draw a ton of walks, but he's got, he's got a nice, uh, hit tool and uh, he feels that he could definitely play second base at this level pretty well. And it, it still it remains to be seen, you know, he's still not sure. at the level where we're able to project too much, but yeah, the, the hit tool is there and boy, that'd be, that'd be exactly what the Cubs need. They need that type. They need those, at least a couple of those types of hitters. And right. they've missed Zobris. They've missed Zobris for that reason. And 
you know, if, if this kid can uh, can be in the mix next year, I think that takes second base maybe off their table for off-season needs. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if, he, even if they ease him into the lineup, you know, hitting needs for a while until he can prove himself, yeah, I think that's um, – that's one of the guys that they would be very unlikely to give up in any type of trade talk. I think that that's, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for some guys that can break up some of this redundancy in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, the Cubs have been, I think historically just in the bottom five in contact, you know, through the last couple of years. And Zilbers is one of those few hitters that made that difference for them. If Nico Horner could be that, that'd be awesome. But um, before I let you go here, Tom, I've got one last question for you. Um, the Cubs, let's say here, we, we're, we're fast-forwarding here to September 1st, rosters expanding or whatnot. The Cubs have a six-game lead in the division. What what happened for them to get there? Like, what's the biggest turnaround for this team if they're able to, to finally kind of put some separation between themselves and the Cardinals and Brewers? Well, I think it would definitely take a healthy and effective Pedro Strope. Mm-hmm. I think it would, it would probably mean that the bullpen has somehow gotten in the position where Madden feels comfortable using certain guys, and that could be – you know, Wick could be in that mix or maybe someone else that they picked up. And I also feel like that means Zobris might even be, you know, part of that mix. I mean, they're probably not expecting him back until early September, but who knows? You know, if half is contributing and um, the offense is – I just – you know, I, I'm sorry, but I just really feel like the offense still needs at least one more professional hitter in it. And, right. you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping at least half gives them some energy. But yeah, there's there's just missing that, and it's just so obvious. I just um, mm-hmm. I feel like unless unless they can make an addition, I I would find that hard to believe that they would have a six game lead. But you never know. I think that the bullpen, if if it's not the offense, it's got to be the bullpen that's going to be a standout then. Yeah, that's that's true. Something has to something has to go one way for the Cubs. Um, I have one last question for you. I lied here. Um, Nick Castellanos no, no obviously was a guy that that would have made a lot of sense for this team. Obviously, defensively, a lot of issues there. He's still in Detroit, but for the Cubs to trade for a bat like that, the asking price is probably too high at this point, right? Or is it just not something they can afford? I think they would like to have him and you mentioned Villar earlier. Villar is definitely, you know, from what I was told today, is like. He's on their radar, but they would still like to do better. So at least there's that. You know, at least they're trying. They're trying to figure out a way to either make some money fit mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the right package in terms of what they're comfortable giving up. Yeah, Cassianos obviously would would be one of the, the better bats that I've heard, you know, mentioned. Jared Dyson's another one. Um, right. The thing I like the thing I like about Cassianos is you know that he's going to give you that that bat, you know, that contact, that professional hitter that they're looking for. The thing I don't like is that that means you're going to see more Jason Hayward in center field and possibly an outfield of Schwarber, Hayward, and Cassianos, and that's kind of ugly. You know, I just right. I feel like with this bolt, especially they wouldn't be able to use that lineup past the sixth inning, especially with this bullpen. There's not enough swing and miss in our bullpen for that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something they don't do weirdly. Um, well, Tom, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you've got a podcast you got to take care of in your end. Of course, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, it's the Beers and Beat Guys podcast. Um, you had, you're having Evan Altman on the show tonight, correct? Yes, sir. He's uh, he's an old friend of mine, and uh, yeah, we'll have to have you on soon, John. I appreciate that. But yeah, obviously when you have Mr. Cub insider himself, I'm sure entertainment value at an all time high, but Tom, I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> you could follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Loax. It's L O X A S. Tom, thanks again for taking the time. You enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Thanks, Sean. My pleasure.
Well, that will do it for our episode of Lockdown Cubs. Thanks again to Tom Loxus for taking the time to talk to us about what's going on with the Cubs deadline. I know it's not as juicy of a deadline as we've seen in years past, but it's always great to get Tom's opinion on the state of Cubs, I guess. So thanks again to Tom and check out his podcast, Beers and Beat Guys podcast. Should be a fun show. Obviously, like I said, Evan Altman going to be on tonight. So check that out. Uh, but remember to get the show today. You need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs on the Himalaya app as well as any podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Radio, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts, you should be able to find Lockdown Cubs. And when you do, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Lockdown NFL, make sure you're listening to the new Lockdown NFL show with expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brad Peacock. Lockdown NFL is your new daily national show for all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. And of course, Lockdown NBA isn't going anywhere. We've got NBA players, Lockdown podcast analyst Trevor Booker joined the Monday podcast on Lockdown NBA. He broke down deals, left one team out as a title contender, and you'll be surprised when you hear who he's high on and who he's not in other teams in the West. Get it all on Lockdown NBA, and then follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow myself at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning in to your daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and as always, go Cubbies. <laughs>